Recorded live in Balcata, Western Australia, the hoon capital of the world, this is Talking Power. Gap is what happens uh, when you hold to the floor and crush the man next to you. There's space in between your back bumper and your front bumper. We, uh, in the South, we refer to it as the Gap Band. Well, I think, you know, Formula One is for grown-ups. Motoring and Motorsport Podcast. Okay, it is the Talking Power Podcast, episode 33. I'm Nick DiCembri, and I'm with Simon Gonzo Travellini. How are you, Simon? Good, mate. Massive weekend of motorsport. It was a massive huge. weekend. Huge, huge. We have arguably one of our biggest stars that we've had to date on the podcast on the line right now. Arguably, without a doubt, our biggest star. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to welcome Kelly Betts, the first Australian top fuel female champion. Welcome, Kelly. How are you? Hello. Well, that's pretty nice uh, introduction there, if it's the biggest star. <laughs> Kelly, big, big congratulations. I mean, to, to be able to have the opportunity to drive a top fuel car is, you know, incredible. To win a race yeah. is is just unbelievable. To win a championship that and and arguably in the toughest season, the most subscribed top fuel events in probably the last fifteen or twenty years, mm. big yeah. effort, huge, huge, uh, you know, and and to be the first female, absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean the way you just spelled it out there is kind of how it was all going for me as the season went. You know, like it started with holy moly, I've got an opportunity to drive a top fuel car. And that was just blowing my mind at the start anyway. And it, oh, to be honest, it still does. Mm. Um, and then, you know, obviously the, the first goal was driving the car and showing the team that they chose me for a reason. I, you know, I can do it for them. And, and then once we kind of got through that, I guess, uh, process of showing Phil that I can handle and can drive the car, then it came to having, you know, getting a win in it, which was the, the one of the biggest things for me at the time in achieving. And then next minute we won another event and then another event after that. And coming into the Winter Nationals, like, I mean, at the start of the season, we had kind of our hopes for the championship had been lost a little bit because of the first event we had some troubles with the car and, it being an elimination round, um, it kind of like we copped a fair uh, thing with like no points for that round. And Damian Harris obviously won it. And that he picked up a whole lot of points on us because it was an elimination round. And then there wasn't due to be another elimination round until the Winter Nationals. So to try and catch up on that points lead that he got there, we kind of thought all oh, hope was lost. Yeah. But you know, who would have thought the season ahead you were going to take out three wins so, <laughs> and so, then put yourself in contention? In, you know, talking about that, so um, your first win was at the Sydney event at the, the Santos Summer Thunder, right? You also yeah. run a PB 383 with a two. Yeah. Um, so this is your first win for the season and it lifts you to third in the points. Right, this was January yeah. 2018. At this stage, are you starting to get the sense that, that the championship is up for grabs? Um, at that stage, I thought, you know, we could either... I mean, in my head, I was thinking, well, this will be great. We should finish second or third in my first full season. That's fantastic in my head kind of thing. I The, the possibility of then... You know, you wouldn't, just wouldn't have even thought that you could go then and win the next two events and, you know, obviously... It, it all surrounded by what Damien did at those events as well. But, um, yeah, I think at that point of the season, I was like, you know what, this would be pretty cool if we can, you know, do, have some good results from here on in and, and end up being, you know, second or third. Uh, moving on from there, it was a really amazing season with, with many firsts. Uh, 
one of them that we'll all remember, and we spoke about it on our podcast, was the all-female top field final, which was the first time. That was at the Gulf Western uh, Oil Nitro Thunder. Nitro. Yeah. Yep. In Sydney. Now, that was against, you know... Rochelle. Our, one of our favourite races of all time, Rochelle, young Rochelle. <laughs> um, yeah. What... At that, you would win there and actually take the lead. You must have had, from that point onwards, you must have, the confidence must have really been up and about. You must have been up and about at that point. Um, from from that point on in that event, um, I took a lot of confidence out of that. And, I mean, I I think I had more confidence going into the Winter Nationals than what Phil did himself. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> he was... Stressing out, he was stressing out so much, and I'm like, Phil, just chill out. I said, We have won the last three events, we are all confident. I said, Just let it keep flowing as it is, and I said, and Good things will, will happen with that, and we'll we'll keep achieving, you know. So, um, that final was pretty cool to be there with Rochelle. I'd grown up watching Rochelle in Top Fuel, and mm. Uh, I was racing, you know, well, before I was even racing Junior Dragster and when I was racing Junior Dragster, I actually wanted my car to be painted like hers and <laughs> things like that. So it was it was pretty cool to be in that final and um, for it to be, like, for me, the fact that I've reached this point where I'm actually driving a top fuel car and then it's in the, you know, while that's happening, all these firsts are happening as well, like the first female final and... And all this, and it's just it's amazing for me to have lost the top that's been happening for so long. But for now to be making all those firsts and be down in history for all that is pretty awesome. So, so I just want to take you back to when you started, when you when you were uh, driving Junior Dragstar. Now, now you became the inaugural JD champion for Australia, didn't you? Yes, yeah. That, that, so and that was back first... in 1998. Yeah. 1998, yeah. The first year that they offered a championship for the category um, was the one that's when I took it out for the first time. So that's why they say first ever, you know, three big tracks and championships is the first time it was ever offered. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So coming from a, a family of, of uh, drag races with your father uh, running at Willow Bank and brother Scott also racing and um, your mother actively yeah. involved, how, how important, how... Uh, involved have they been in your journey? Oh, they've been in it 100% all the way. Um, in you know whether it's just a support role or, or actually running, helping me run the cars and things like that. Like when I was racing the junior, obviously dad and mum that they did the whole thing. And when like me and my brother were racing, dad looking after Scott's car and mum was looking after mine, so she was doing everything. You know, so. Like they have, this, they've been a great support from the very beginning, and they're still there today. They're still on the start line. They're still jumping around like crazy people when I win. Like we are just, as a family, I mean, we are 100% there for each other. I was running to and from the Group Three pits at the Winter Nationals, trying to see my brother race in modified because he's had a few years out. So it just, it really, it doesn't matter what level that we're racing at, um, we're all there 100%. That's for sure. That's great. That's great. Hey, Kelly, at the same sort of time, I read an article in the Australian newspaper. Was it true you wanted to be a ballerina? Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was definitely doing the ballerina thing for a few years there. Um, yeah, it wasn't long before um, junior dragsters came into the country at all. And my brother um, was one of the first kids to even drive one in Australia. And then, you know, once that kind of became a part of our life and became a, you know, a thing at events where junior dragsters were actually racing, it kind of pretty much took over the whole ballet thought. <laughs> <laughs> so, so by 2010, uh, you, were, you had won a modified championship in the Insane yeah. Dragster, and you also won the John Storm yeah. Memorial Trophy and the South Queensland Divisional Championship. By this stage, yeah. um, you know, you were definitely, uh, you'd followed a, a traditional path as they would in America. Did you have top fuel on your radar back then? Oh, not even. Like, it's, you know, we, you look at top fuel and it's just like, they're the kings of the sport and you just sort of go to yourself like, well, let's, you know, you're not ever going to be in that, position to drive one of those cars like I people 
sometimes would say to me after having driven the jet racing ute, and they're like, you know, oh, you, you'll be in a top fuel car next, and it's like, yeah, I don't think so. Like, you just, you never actually think you're going to get a call, like, especially in Australia. You don't think you're going to get a call to drive a car for someone when you're just, when you're a sportsman racer and you're just doing your own thing and, and you know, that there's not really too much fuss or anything like that. You really just don't think you're going to get that call. And, I mean, it shocked the hell out of me when Phil rang me. And it, it's still, I mean, I still look at it now. I've got a picture up on my wall of the top fuel car and I just look at it and I'm like, I just can't even believe that I'm driving that thing. <laughs> it's just it such a surreal thought. I, I would never, ever have even thought I would ever drive one. Yeah. Speaking of cars, I could never imagine driving. Or you, <laughs> Colin Wilshere. We have to touch on on his radical pro compact short wheel base Datsun twelve hundred U. I, I couldn't think. You went from a dragster in two thousand and ten to arguably the exact opposite in drag racing. <laughs> yeah. That, that's gone. You've gone low sevens in that seven one four and one hundred and ninety. Oh, really? Wow. Well, there you go. Very well. Sorry, Kelly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's a massive change. How, how did you adapt to such, you know, a volatile car like like his? Well, I had, I, I will be honest, I was getting in the drag, so I had a, uh, the following season when I won the championship, I was leading it again, and that, then at the Nitro Champ, which is the event before the Winter Nationals, I had, unfortunately, had a bit of an accident. Anyway, and then that led to me getting to another drag start for then a couple, I got that sort of at the end of that year and was racing that for a couple more years. And I did start to feel a bit of an urge of wanting to drive something that had a little bit more craziness about it. <laughs> a um, little bit. The, I, mean, <laughs> I, the, I mean, I absolutely love the drag stuff for the bracket racing side of things and I just enjoy driving it. It's, you know, very minimal bus car and there's not a lot to do with them at the track and stuff and you can enjoy the event and nowadays like I'd love to get back in my drags and drive it but I yeah I just started to feel and I was sort of thinking oh will I sell this and maybe buy an altered or something like that and then just through a well <laughs> a friend at the time who's now my boyfriend I was at a dyno session for his um drag car and it just so happened that Rob Novak was there who was the current driver of the youth um, and I I had seen the car and I was watching it at some of the events and I just used to say how cool it was and it just was such a crazy looking little car and I just took an interest in it. But all I said to Rob on that night was, you know, geez, I love that car and it must be so much fun to drive it and all this sort of thing. And he was like, oh, yeah, do you want to drive it? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Don't be stupid. Anyway, it kind of stayed at that and he went back and spoke to Colin and then next thing I know I'm at the next Sydney event and we go by their tip and Colin turns around and says, I hear you want to drive this thing. <laughs> and I kind of like... <laughs> what like, what, what well, was yeah. it like getting out of the dragster and getting into, oh. you know, this crazy short wheelbase animal? It was so nerve-wracking. Oh, my God. I just I was sitting in it and I'm like, Kelly, what have you got yourself into? Like, holy crap. This is, and like Rob Novak on his first burnout in the car when he first drove it, he totally turned it around 180 degrees in the burnout. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, because they kept saying to me, they're like, just don't do this in the burnout. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> but, oh, look, it, I guess, um, I don't know, I just went into my mode of just learn as much as I could about what I had to do and then just apply that on the run and... I don't know, there's been a bit of a joke since then that me and the Ute were kind of made for each other because <laughs> it's all gone pretty well. So it's definitely given me some moments and I've had that thing on two wheels and sideways across the track and into a wall, but um, we still love each other. <laughs> it's shaken the crap out of me, that's for sure. <laughs> now, so, yeah, it was quite a quite a crazy transition really i mean there's just so much to think about in that car yeah speaking of that car is it is it true have i read correctly that you're off to orlando in august to race yeah, the, uh, that car uh not in august but it is in october the car's oh, okay. leaving australia in august um, but yeah, it's actually October that we race it and that's the weekend before the first top fuel event and then I come back 
the following weekend to drive the fuel car and then a couple of weeks later we go back to Orlando and race it at a second event over in America. Oh wow, that's amazing. So while yeah. you're over there, are you going to be uh, handing your drag racing resume around to, you know, maybe the force team or...? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, um, I'm, no, definitely not. I mean, an opportunity like that is doesn't come around very often and, and hey, it's, it's not something that you know, I'm going to actively go and chase, that's for sure. I have a lot of loyalty to the people who have given me opportunities in drag racing and I don't I don't intend on moving away from anything that I'm in currently with the Lanantinas and, and also Colin as well with the Ute. So, but, you know, that's not to say that a lot of people seem to be saying about the American thing, but, yeah, like I say, it's not something I'll be actively chasing. I really enjoy what we do over here and, and how it all happens over here. So, yeah, yeah, everyone would love to drive an NHRA car at an event, but I suppose the ultimate for me would be something like the Lamentina family or something deciding to do some events over there and me driving over there for them. That'd be great. So so tell us, um, you you debuted in Top Fuel, the the. 2017-18 season with the Lamentina family. How did this? How did the deal come together? Well, literally, I just received a phone call from Phil one day, um, and he'd actually been trying to ring me for a couple of days, but it was a number I didn't know, and I missed the call, and then I hadn't answered it one other time and left no messages, but I picked it up, and then it said it's Phil Lamentina, and I'm like, I thought, okay, this is interesting. And he just pretty much, I mean, it's how Phil is. He's straight to the point. He goes, I'm just giving you a call to see if you'd be interested in driving our top fuel car. Wow. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm like, hello. <laughs> how do I get my name on that, on that list? <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, I didn't even know what to do, what to say. I mean, the first thing I said to him was a swear word. <laughs> and, um, which I won't repeat on here, but um, I just, I had no words. I just. Yeah, it was, I, I mean, straight away, it was like that feeling of, you know, the actual realisation of driving the Ute, I suppose. It's like, oh, my God, Kelly, what have you got yourself into? <laughs> so, and can you do it? Like, you obviously have all these self-doubt moments. and But, um, yeah, I mean, I sort of left the conversation with Phil and said, look, can you give me a day or two to digest this conversation and talk to all my family? And, um, and then can I give you a call back? And he's like, yeah, no worries, but... Basically, the deal was if they had a few drivers in mind and for many months, like around six months or so, as a family and a team, and um, they were they were trying to decide on a driver and who would be suitable and who would fit into the family and the team and, you know, and be good across the board with things as a driver for the media side of things and, and so on and so on. So basically, they just landed on me being the right decision from... A bit of advice from some pretty key people in it all and uh yeah and that's where we are today and so they asked me and i was jumping at the opportunity after i was scared to say yes <laughs> so with that in mind kelly how pivotal was i'm going to say a few names here phil lamartina aaron hambridge yep. and i'm going to throw richie and richie crampton as well in mentoring you yeah. from, from the time they made the announcement to when you license the car, what's, what sort yeah. of support did they offer you? Yeah, look, each of them has, you know, supported in major ways. Like, I mean, obviously, Phil and Aaron basically taught me how to drive the car. Mm. Um, and then Richie, whilst he was here for the um, the Nitro Thunder event that he raced at last year, yep. um, I just... It was, you know, it was a busy time, so he couldn't really sit there and just have endless conversations about things. Yeah. But, I mean, I just sat back and watched what he did, basically. I just took as much in as I could. We had some little chats here and there about different bits and pieces after a run or whatever. And then, you know, when there was some time or 10 minutes or so to go back, he'd say, but probably the most of the conversations I've had with Richie have been over the phone since. Yep. Um, so I definitely went to him with questions and after I had a go at driving the car, I was like, oh, so when it does this or when it does that, you know, and it was good to talk to him because it was his car. So um, he, yeah, he definitely gave me a lot of advice throughout the whole thing, um, just different bits and pieces if there was something that, you know, I just felt like I wanted to ask him and um, it was good. Phil is obviously, he's always been there and he's always, 
mentored me through things and he, you know, he can speak from himself being a driver, but at the end of the day as well, each driver is going to be their own kind of style. So he would say, look, this is in general what you can do and then you pretty much adapt your way to that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's been good. And then Aaron, well, he's just, he's a very chilled out sort of person, so he brings a really calm kind of presence to the whole thing and where, you know, there might have been moments where Phil was getting a bit like, edgy and all that sort of stuff, then I'd go through it with Aaron and then he would, you know, he'd give me the karma side of things. Okay. <laughs> so everybody has worked, like it's all worked together at yeah. different, you know, everyone's different with um with the advice and stuff, which has been, been very good, been very lucky to have so many people around. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, in, uh, in your licensing of what we like to call the Carrot King car, you run a, a, mm-hmm. four, a 466 at 325 mile an hour. Right? Can you yeah. can you talk us through that? Because you know, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners, particularly the ones that are into the circuit racing and the motorcycles, it would be hard for them to get their head around jumping into a car like that. Well, I'll just add that's two tenths off the Australian record Australia, yeah. over the quarter mile. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's licensing. It's well, in licensing. I <laughs> know oh, when you when you sort of yeah. you know you're not really meant to have it wound up. <laughs> It's really actually hard to back those cars down. And it's, yeah, and I mean, that was backed down because that car is a 440, 450 car all day long. Um, so, I mean, at, at its current, what it's performing at at the moment, 380s, well, they're 440 passes. Mm, yeah. So it, it kind of was a bit backed down, but you just can't do it too much more than that. Otherwise, you start damaging things and the, just the car won't perform, you know, how it needs to. So... But no, I mean, I pretty much, that full pass, um, we were getting a little bit frustrated by then because we'd started to experience some of the problems that we initially faced with that car. Um, so it was getting a little bit tricky for us to actually get it down for a full pass. And I'd done a couple of half tracks and things like that. Um, and then we made a big change on this day because it was, time was kind of like of the essence because I was trying to get licensed to be able to go to Darwin. Um, and this was a few weeks beforehand at Willowbank. So we kind of like, I had to be licensed on that day to be able to run in Darwin at that uh, Nitro Up North event last year. So they made some big changes in the car and came out. And I just, because we were all, you know, it had to happen on that Sunday, we had to do two full runs to get my license. And that's pretty much, you know, three would be the max we could have fit in. And um, I just said to myself, Kelly, no matter how much it scares you or how much it's just like blowing your mind, just hold it flat. <laughs> hold it flat and do not let go. It, it looks, so it certainly looks it just, straight. I've seen video of it. it looked, looked amazing that 466 at well, 325. The, yeah, the second one, um, which was that, that 325, that was an incredibly straight pass. But the actual first one, which was 326 mile an hour, well, that was a little bit more mm. all over the place and just probably got slightly, you know, I mean, now in the car, it just got a little bit ahead of me because that was my first time taking it down and probably my corrections on the wheel in the second half of the track weren't enough. And I sort of got, went over towards the centre line. But, um, oh, you just didn't even know what happened. Like, I'd... Stopped the car and I ended up going a bit deep and everything like that because it was just the speed was out of control, absolutely flying. <laughs> and I just I stopped at the bottom end and I almost was out of breath because you're trying to then pull the car up as well, and you've never really done it before at this speed. And it's just like you just had to act on um, you know instinct and and everything like that. But I just I think I just got out of the car and I just didn't even know. I was like. I just don't even know what happened. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's after you have a little break and you can sit there and process it all in your mind, that's when you start to, you know, it starts to all re-happen in your head and whatnot. And then we went out and did it again a couple of hours later. And that, yeah, from then on, you start to take a little bit more of it in. Yeah, okay. Look, Kelly, I just want to fast forward to the Winter Nationals again. And, and we, I want to talk yep. through the, the actual championship race. It would be in the semi, as it turned out. You needed to win over Wayne Newby to, to secure your championship. Can, can you talk us through that race? Because that, in my eyes, was looked pretty close, that race. Like, it, it, you, oh, yeah. it wasn't, it, you didn't walk away with that one. It was, you had to really work for it. No way. 
and we knew that would be the case against Wayne. Like, they've had their struggles and whatnot, but they were starting to get their head around that car again. Mm. And they had run, like, an 80 before and then, like, I think it was a high 80. And then, so it was kind of like we knew that that car was going to go down the track. It may not have been, like, in the pace that we were going or Harris was going, but it was definitely going to put up a fight. And old Wayne's pretty good on the tree, too. So I knew that... I mean, I just wanted to do what I normally would do because um, I keep the same kind of level as far as like, you know, how I've got to perform in the car, pretty much keep that level with anyone I race. But um, yeah, I knew it wasn't going to be a giveaway, that's for sure. And, and it ended up, I mean, he went an 031 on the tree and I went an 051 or 52. And um, we ran the 80 and he ran the 84. So obviously he closed up a little bit on the, on the reaction time there, but we had the ET. So we were, um, yeah, it was a, it was a dent, and they put up a good fight, but yeah. no, nah, we got there in the end. So it was, yeah. But me being me, and um, the sort of person who likes to earn a mm. win or a, a championship, I was so happy that the race kind of happened how it did because I just, I really like to earn it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess that that's the real, you know, the real thing about real races is they'd rather win a close race than than a, yeah. a giveaway race yeah. i you know i, I hear you loud and clear <laughs> yeah 100 percent. it's like i don't want um i wouldn't want to win any of it just because you know this has happened or that's happened i want to win it showing that the team and my ability you know well you know on the show we're always um spruiking that drag racing is the ultimate equalization of gender in sport um, have you got a message for uh, young women out there that um, are, are doing it hard in, in other sports? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that a female can't do. You know, there, there might be certain levels or whatever that uh, of different things and different sports that can't quite happen when you're a female. But, I mean, drag racing, there literally is nothing that a female can't do in the sport that a male can and it just depends in yourself how much you want to get involved in the cars, you know, in, back in the pit area and all that sort of stuff. But you can learn a hell of a lot and and do absolutely anything you want on these cars. It depends how much you want to apply yourself there. But it's um yeah, look, it's not for the faint hearted like you don't you can't be a girl. Well, you can be a girly girl, but you, you know you've got to be able to get in and mix it with the boys as well. And yeah and realise that they're all there working hard for you. So you've got to give back a little bit and and also let them know that you're willing to work hard with them, you know. So, look, I just think that um, females, like, there's no absolutely no reason why they can't feel that they can get involved in drag racing and even try and achieve in any sport that they're involved in um, because there's nothing we can't do. Okay. There's... Um... A pod, another podcast that I listen to quite frequently called The Sounding Board. It's uh, done by Damien Barrett and Craig Hutchison from Croc Media. I presented them yeah. with a question uh, in regards to mainstream media and the coverage of, of your of your championship. I'm just going to play. I'm just going to play their thoughts on this yep. to you, Kelly. Nick on Facebook. I know drag racing isn't your thing, but they've just crowned its first female top fuel champion, Kelly Betts. What should the organisation have done to get this amazing feat mainstream coverage? I'm not aware of it, and that's uh, probably to Nick's point, isn't it? I think you've got a great story to tell, like drag racing has with Kelly Betts, then you should do everything you can to get it covered while it's newsworthy. And that means buying the airtime, buy it. Right. And I think... Can you, know, you buy it? Can you buy it in in 2018 in a way that creates mainstream appeal? Yeah, I'm sure you could. In fact, they could create an event around Kelly now and package it for a network. It would be a, a good starting point. Here you go. That was from uh, that was from Croc Media's yeah. sounding board. So, I mean, yeah. what, what did you what did you think of Craig's advice? We, we're going to start up an event called the Kelly Betts 1000. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure we need to quite go that far, but um, no, I mean, I agree There's, you know, the media side of things um, could really grab it, like the sport could really grab a hold of this kind of thing because it is what just the normal, you know, people who don't really know much about drag racing, this is what could prick up their ears and, and actually create some interest because it is a, a female achieving in this 
thing that they would not even think a female could drive. I, I, you know, um, I, I, Kelly, I, I, I was um, I was devastated that the mainstream media didn't pick up on it because you know it's just such a massive achievement, and we hear so much about gender equality. And like I said, yep. we have constantly reminded everyone that our sport really is the most gender neutral sport that that exists mm. you know where women can yeah. get in there and win it and we thought for sure that this would be a game changer but for some reason you know it's just been uh pushed to one side almost you know and and i, I tell you we're, we're pretty devastated about it and we're really disappointed with the media yeah it's it's the whole thing of the media will always report on something when it's bad, not when it's good. Like, I'm sure if there was an accident out there, you know, it might have gotten on the news or something like that. But um, there was some contact being made with um, some TV shows like The Project. I don't know if you guys see that over there. but mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we do. We do. You know, they, yeah. So there was some contact being made there. And, I mean, I had the... Um, I had the Australian newspaper contact me today just saying, well done and all that. And I sort of thought, well, that's interesting. Are they, you know, are they going to do something with it? Or, yeah, I think it is a little bit, it can definitely be a little bit disappointing that when just a major achievement has been made. And look, it still may happen. There still may be some things come out of it. Uh, I know Nine News jumped straight onto it. So I'd done a story with them prior to the event. Um, and they pretty much, in the days following the event, they were straight onto it, onto the main Nine News website and put that I'd once taken the championship out and um, how good it was and all this. So I thought that was great to see, at least. Okay. Look, Kelly, are there any other people that we, along this amazing journey that you'd like to mention? I know your sponsors, Fuchs uh, Australia and YBI Creative. Is there, is there anyone yeah. else out there? Oh, look, I mean, just as, you know, along with our sponsors, as you just mentioned there, obviously the Laventina family and all the crew guys, like, you know, in general, I guess everybody recognises the driver and and the the team, like, as in the owners of the teams and things like that. But those crew guys are damn hard workers and they do a lot to make this whole deal happen. So, yeah, I mean, it's good on the crew guys, that's what I'm saying, like, I'm really proud of all them for everything they achieved and also Aaron Hambridge, the crew chief. Um, but, yeah, no, we're, we're not long before we're back into it again. And, mm. um, yeah, just and I guess just everybody out there, I mean, I just want to say a massive thank you for the support from, from the drag racing community. Like, it's just been unreal. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, I think what you've done is amazing, not not just amazing for drag racing, but as we said, for for sport and, and gender equalisation right across this nation. And I really hope that people get behind you and what you've done, um, given the fact that Brittany Force won last year's NHRA Top Fuel Championship. Yep. We've had Erica yep. Ender Stevens win two, 14 and 15. Um, yep. You know, and, and Rochelle making a comeback to the sport as well. I think what you girls have done yeah. is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you on the interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> hopefully some things pop up with it all um, in the you know in the coming weeks. But let's see how we go. All we can do is just keep pushing, pushing for all this sort of stuff, and and um, doing the best we can out there on the track. So. It's certainly getting recognised from a certain extent, I suppose. <laughs> well, Kelly, from from myself and from Simon, really appreciate the time you've made tonight. I know it's after hours uh, over there, so I really appreciate the time you've taken out tonight to speak with us on the Talk and Power podcast. Oh, good. Well, it was a good chat. Thank you very much. No worries. Uh, it was our pleasure, Kelly. Thank you very much. And good luck for next season. Okay. Thank you very much, guys. Hopefully we'll chat again, hey? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I'd really appreciate that. That'd be great. <laughs> okay, cool. Take care. See you, see, Kelly. See you, Kelly. All right. Bye-bye. See ya. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Kelly Betts, Australia's latest top fuel champion. What an awesome person to chat to. Yeah, definitely. I really got a lot out of that, actually. Great interview. It's a real shame that the mainstream media haven't picked up on it. Mm, yeah. You, th- you listen to all this bullshit all the time about gender equality, and there you go, at the, the pinnacle of, of motorsport as far as I'm concerned. You know, the, I, I watched a, an interview the other day with Erebus mm. 
and they're talking about how it costs fifty thousand dollars to take two cars to a test day and you know yeah. how does it's a big chunk of their budget it costs fifteen thousand dollars per run mm. if nothing breaks on a top fuel car yep. Yep. right and they're worried about 50 grand. It's just pathetic. Yeah. And it's pathetic that, that uh, we're not getting the media coverage in drag racing mm. that we deserve. Yep. It, it is still the most powerful motorsport on the planet, bar none. Mm. You know? And for all, I didn't mention it in the interview with Kelly, but for all those consumers on the Eastern Seaboard, when you're in Coles and Woolworths, please buy Lamatina carrots. Yes. There's a picture of Angelo on the front. You can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. The Carrot Kings. They are the Carrot Kings. If you're in WA, I don't think they get their carrots over here, but um, we have a local growers, but over in the Eastern Seaboard. So Support the Lamartina Brothers. Other championship winners. Mm. We'll, we'll probably get this out before the Thunder guys do. <laughs> a, bit, a bit slack. Almost. <laughs> Almost. Almost. Pro Slammer. Yep. Uh, the Moitz team took it. Yep. 35 points in the end. Mm. Uh, that championship was decided in the semifinals. Yeah. Zap, unfortunately, uh, the car turned right mm. and uh, headed for the wall, scraped the wall, had to pedal it, and um, that was it. That was the championship gone. I yeah. actually spoke to Zap. I, he was in quite good spirits. And he I mean, was. you know, yeah. 11, 11 championships in a row. It's nothing to... I don't think the feat will ever be repeated, personally. No, I don't no. think anyone will be not, able to not match that. Not endorse them, I know. Um, but uh, he said to me that he's still got a few tricks up his sleeve. Mm. Um, he's going to be... Uh, he, he took it, you know, sort of fairly conservative uh, because he really wanted to get that 12th championship. But now he's going to go back to the old zap where he's doing a lot of testing between, yeah. you know, racing and yeah. uh, at the local events here. Mm. So look forward to seeing some 550s next season, maybe. Yeah. A bit of luck. Yeah. Uh, Steve Ham is also another one. Bit of a dark horse there. Mm. They um, top qualified, obviously. Uh, I believe that uh, Stuart Rowland is tuning that car and okay. he's got that hot rod going fast yep you know yep so uh congratulations to the moitz team yep um it was a hard fought uh, championship and great to see the championship go down to the wire like that. yeah it did it was an exciting race the live feed was wasn't too bad on ovo mobile we streamed that right through the tv yeah it was great it was great it was pretty good hmm. um and yet look i i also spoke with zap on the weekend i saw him at the hot rod show he had his car there and was being very accessible to all the people that attended the show even letting children sit in the car um i believe you're your son's yeah, my son. <laughs> he's only eight and he struggled getting in there. I don't know how Zap gets in there. And me, forget about it. I'm never getting in there. <laughs> you couldn't fit me through the, the cage. But yeah, no, it was it was really, really nice and uh, it was good to catch up with him. So other championship winners, pro alcohol Steve Reed once yeah. again, went went really close. 36 mm. points in it in the end. Yep. Top bike, Chris Matheson. Just walked away with the championship. He did. Probably didn't even need to show up at the last two events. Yeah. Look, I, I just want to touch on Chris uh, Matheson as well. Arguably, we, we will never know, but in the semi, potentially ran a five. Yeah, I know. No time I heard recorded. That, yeah, no time recorded. And, mm. you know, um, I guess, you know, this is something that Thunder needs to look at. If they're going to run Grudge King-style events, they should let the racers know. Mm. <laughs> so... <laughs> Pro, I don't know where you're going with that. There you go. <laughs> NTR, NTR. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, that means no time recorded. Oh, God. So it's a big thing in America. They it actually gamble huge. at the track. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah lots of money. Yeah. Just hands. Yeah. Thousands, thousands. Yeah, that more, tens of thousands. Mm. Aaron Tremaine by 141 points yep. in pro stop. Probably didn't need to show up at the last event either. <laughs> well, his brother was in second place, so, you know. Bit of brotherly love there. Bit, a bit of, and pro stock bike, mm. Morris Allen, that was right to the wire. Yeah. 14 points. Yeah, yeah. 14 points. Yeah. So, uh, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, huge weekend for motorsport. Mm. Canadian Grand Prix. Yeah, that was the, the previous weekend. We had um, the Canadian GP. We probably... I'm going to say, I'm going to call it, it was probably the most boring, the, the boringest race we've had all year. Come on, mate. Vettel won. No, Ferrari, yeah, Ferrari Vettel to the won. front. <laughs> like Lewis Hamilton was that upset by it that he got his, his friend there to wave the chequered flag a, a lap early. And 
that was... I don't think it changed the outcome. No, it didn't. It didn't. It, uh, well, it robbed Sergio Perez. Well, we're talking about it. It robbed Sergio Perez one spot, putting it relegating him back to 14th. So, so th- for those and of you, it robbed that... Daniel Ricciardo's fastest lap. Fastest lap. That's correct. Uh, for those of you that that uh, didn't hear the um, controversy. Mm. Um, Supermodel and friend of Lewis Hamilton, mm-hmm. Winnie Harlow, yep. <laughs> accidentally waved the chequered flag one lap too early. Yeah, and yep. uh, under the FIA rules, if the race is declared prior to the subscribed finish, the results are taken from the lap prior. So in this case, the results were taken from lap sixty-eight. Mm. Yep, yep. So it was. Um, look, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think it was actually Winnie's fault. I think she was given the flag and instructed to wave it. So I just, think I'm amazed in this, in this I, day listen, and age that this sort of stuff happens. I know, I know, but but you know, if you're going to say that there was a, some sort of communication, mm. you know, unless they were talk, you know, they're in Montreal, I guess maybe they were talking French, possibly, possibly. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> right. Because it is, you know, it is a, a French province, Montreal. Yeah. But I mean, Canada in general, they mm. speak English. Yeah. That's that's true. Anyway, look, we saw Lewis had a... Now, Mercedes weren't able to take an engine upgrade to this race. Uh, most of the other teams did, uh, except for Mercedes. Testing, or they weren't quite happy with the development of the new engine, went back to their or their existing engine. Probably showed... I mean, uh, Lewis had a power unit uh, issue. That's what they define them as now. We don't know what the issues are, just power unit. So... Uh, Hamilton had the pit on lap 37. They did a reset and he got some of his pace back. But I think they'd be pretty keen, those guys, to get uh, that sorted out. Mm. Anyway, so something more interesting. Mm. MotoGP yeah, on the Moto weekend, GP. Catalunya. Yep, yep. So before the race, I mean, we had a bit unfolding prior to the race. Um, so it came out, I think, about a week after the previous race. Um, Jorge Lorenzo. He is going to Honda. Now, George is off to Honda. Now, I know you have some thoughts on this. Oh, look, I, I didn't really like... I mean, you know, it would be really difficult being the the, um, the manager of Ducati at the moment because mm. George just threw Ducati straight under the bus yep. at, at the last round. Um, now, we spoke about this earlier on in the year mm. and I said, you know, when, when it comes time for the the contracts to be renewed you're going to see him pull something out of his ass yeah and you know now apparently the new fuel tanks i've heard that the new ducati fuel tanks are in hot demand worldwide sold out already Uh, uh. (laughs) so so for those of you that don't know basically what uh jorge has said at at the uh, because he won the last round and he said at the end of the race that uh, he'd been asking for this new fuel tank now uh, for those of you that don't ride, you know you're on, you're leaning on the fuel tank, and you're leaning off the fuel tank going into the corners. It is pretty crucial. The shape of it does have an effect on how you ride. And apparently, he was saying that um, uh, the reason he was able to get out fast in the beginning was because he had his strength, and then because of the shape of the, the fuel tank, it was tiring him out. Mm. Right? I, I personally think that maybe it was the tyre selection, but yep. maybe it was a bit of both. <laughs> yep. I don't know. Um, nonetheless, he, he threw him under the bus. Yeah. No ifs, no yeah. bus. Yeah. And uh, now that he's hot to trot, he's um, he's come along and undercut fellow Spaniard uh, Pedrosa there yeah. and pinched his spot, basically. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting next season to see. Like, we don't know how much money they paid. Uh, I think Ducati paid 14 million euro. It won't to, be that much. To, to get no way because no way. he went knocking on their door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually, yeah. when that happens, it's uh, they're sort of going, eh, you know, we don't really yeah. need you. Yeah. Um, but it, what it is going to do is if he intends, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people, including myself, are sort of going, why, why don't you just quit? Mm. It's not like, you know, he, he's a multi-multi-millionaire. Yeah. He's had his day in the sun. Yep. Give it, you know, mm. do a stoner. Just kick back and relax and enjoy it. Maybe yeah. do some testing for one of the teams, mm. whatever, you know. Um, but if he intends on trying to be the next Valentino Rossi, um, then he's going to have to step on Marquez's toes. Mm. Right? Yep. Now, yeah. they don't like that at Honda. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're very much a team orders kind of team. Yeah. So uh, next season is going to be very, very interesting. But look, let's get back to the race. Yeah. Right. 
nearly half the field um, crashed, Mm. fell off, or, my favourite bit, caught on fire. (laughs) I saw that, yes. (laughs) Yeah, look, I mean, and during, I I know you want to talk about the race, but also during qualifying as well, Marquez, what an amazing save that was. Yes. Basically... The bike was on its side. He was on his knees, his legs, for probably... Yeah, but we've seen him do that. We've seen him and Rossi do it. They're a pair of freaks. Tell you what, I haven't seen it. <laughs> like, there was actual smoke coming off the tyres because the sidewall of the tyre was actually dragging along the ground and still managed to get it back up yeah. again. Yeah, well, the round before, <laughs> he tried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, it was, it was um, a, a great ride, Um from Jorge, I mean, I think he's really starting to stamp his authority. I'm amazed by the fact that it took a year and a half to sort this fuel tank. I'm not, I'm not quite. Under- no, I'm, I'm not, not sold on it either. I think it was just, you know, we're getting close to the, and and you probably find it, like it would not surprise me if Honda said yes, but they're still negotiating the actual amount. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah, like okay. racking up the wins, going, put another zero on it, boys. Put yeah. another zero. On it. No, that's right. <laughs> What, what did you think of Marquez testing during the week? Was it just a publicity gimmick? He was right, he, he took the oh. Red Bull 2012 car out. You know, um, I, I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, I, he did well. They mm. reckon he did well. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I heard some comments around the traps about, oh, you know, that's the, the motorcycle riders generally do well when they're testing cars. But I'm going to call bullshit on that one. Mm, and okay. and the reason I'm going to call bullshit is because the braking distance on a bike is completely different to a yeah. car. You can go really deep in the corner with a car. You can't do that with a bike, mm, right? Yep. You can't. It's as simple as that. Yep. Um, so, you know, what do they mean by really well? Yeah, you I know? saw some of the video footage. I mean, he didn't set the world on fire, but he, he didn't stove the car in either, so... No, no, no. Like, he, he did well mm. relative to, you know, one of the guys from Top Gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I Richard mean? Hammond. Richard Hammond, yeah. <laughs> Even though uh, too well compared to you. Yeah, but I, I, I think it's also fair to say that Richard Hammond tested on a, a very tight track yep you know and that's not a tight track where, where he was testing mm. and that's the thing if you've got you know the blistering long straights and you're getting on the brakes early because that's what you're used to on on a um uh, motorbike well you're yeah. going to get the temperature in the brakes you're going to get temperatures mm. of the tires you know what i mean so i don't know i mean have we actually ever seen anyone transition from two wheels onto four successfully no no even casey's Attempted it in the at the Red Bull team didn't really pay off. Uh, when I say Red Bull, so Wayne I mean, Gardner, Triple Eight, yeah, Wayne Gardner. Well, Wayne Gardner probably had a the probably out of all of them, he gave it a good yeah, go, yeah, but it, but it wasn't for... like he he jumped in there mm. and he was, uh, you know, like a, a front runner. No, 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 certainly not. You know what I mean? No, no. So, you know, uh, and I don't think Marquez would. I mean, does he need to? I wouldn't have thought so. Nah, no, nah, no. Nah. And, you know, I mean, how many more years has he got in, in yeah. MotoGP? He's got a lifetime ahead of him in yeah. MotoGP, you know That's what I right. mean? Yep. So, um, yeah, I think it was just a bit of a publicity stunt. But, hey, I could be wrong. Mm. We might see him, you know, driving Formula One. Yeah. Um, yep. What about Dovi? Where's he at? He's, it's another another race he's dropped the bike. <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think... Um, I I I I got nothing for you there. Yeah, I'm I'm not. I'm, I'm not devastated. I'm devastated. But you know the championship, it's still like Marquez hasn't run away with it. Mm. You know what I mean? Rossi's in there with a chance. Rossi's really riding well. He's um, he seems to be getting his focus back. And I yep. think the more podiums that we see him on, you're going to see more of that. Mm. At the end of the day. Those three bikes, you know, the Ducati has definitely got more inline speed. But in saying that, I didn't really see that dominance at, at this event. And no. with that straight, I thought that I would have I've seen it. Like, I would have yeah. seen physically the Ducati pulling away from the Honda, mm. but it wasn't there. But the Yamaha, you'd have to say it's a heap of shit compared yeah. to the other two. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. which is sad because... They've they've probably got the best guy in the world mm. at developing these bikes. He made the Honda a race winning bike. He made yeah. the Yamaha a race winning bike. So, 
it's it's a bit sad that um you know they're just not making it happen yeah so yeah. i mean hopefully they'll find something for rossi because if he had uh i'm confident that if he was on a honda or, or a, a ducati he but then again you know he did have a crack when Stoner was on the Ducati and everyone said it was the bike, the bike, the bike, no yeah. one could ride that thing. Stoner was the only guy that could yeah. get it to go around the track. Yeah. So, I don't know. So oh, look, all, all I'm interested in is the fact that it's going to be a fight to the end. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And that is so awesome. It's great mm. to see championships. And that's another reason why it, it pisses me off that we don't get the coverage that we deserve in, in um, uh, yeah. drag racing. You know, uh, uh, top Fuel went ran down to the wire. Um, top Door Slammer went down to the wire. Mm. Um, uh, pro Stock Bike went down to the wire. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? Um, Even Pro Alcohol. Pro Alcohol, went yeah. Went to the wire as well. So why is it that, um, you know, the mainstream media just ignores it? Yeah. It's no, really, I... really sad. Really, really sad. I mean, I was frustrated with the whole the whole Top Fuel thing and the Kelly Betts thing. And that, that's why I thought I, I'd poison... Uh, raise that question with the sounding board but i thought well you know what let's just get kelly on and we'll do our bit as yeah i mean it seems it seems ridiculous that uh you should have to buy time to promote something that's so amazing so incredible anyway um it's just a next come to that point of that point in the sport haven't we so uh, not that that port that point in in the world Mm, not in the sport in Mm. in in the way you know, the world manipulates mm, yeah. uh, people. So next race for MotoGP? So the next race is the TT at Assen. TT Circuit. In the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, yep. Excellent. Yeah, that will be the 1st of July. Great way to start the financial year. Excellent. <laughs> V8 Supercars. Darwin. Follow, follow the leader. It was follow the leader, <laughs> or, or follow the oil trail, as Red Bull would have you think. The Sunday race was... They had some oil surge issues. It's very vague from Penske uh, DJR as to what the issues actually were, but Scotty's car had some oil surge problems. They were in second place, blowing a little bit of smoke when it first happened. It happened early in the race. It sort of tapered off, and at the end of the race, um, came back again. wasn't too bad. I didn't think it was uh, black flag worthy. Neither did the stewards, but Triple Eight obviously did. Oh. They had Jamie Wink up behind him, of course. Yeah, yeah. So look, the the usual story. So what did there. what did the uh, chief steward Mark Scaife have to say about it? Uh, they felt that it wasn't too bad either. So, oh, really? Look, yeah, yeah. No, oh, oh. I, I, I believe that they. <laughs> He, like, he won't like be getting way, his backhander this week. <laughs> I like the way you referred to him as a chief steward, Mark Scope. But look, I mean, it was a, a, certainly a, a storm in a teacup in my, in my view. I, I really don't think it was um, it was worthy of a black flag and, and he didn't get one. Um, Scotty won on the Sunday and the Saturday race as well, yep. got away. Well, I think this strategy of theirs uh, pitting early um, and... Paying off, yeah. Get the, the car in I, some I clean air. It's what they under, what they call the undercut, and it certainly worked for them the last few races. They did it again on the Sunday race. However, Davey Reynolds um, was just better at it, and the Airbus team got the win on the Sunday. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the oil surge issues really played a part in it. I wouldn't have thought so. It didn't look like it was slowing down, Scotty. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, they they got home for a second place on the Sunday as well. So. It was really good to see David Reynolds. I think he's finding his stride now, and I think the things that happened in Adelaide where he sort of kind of let um, Van Gisbergen go, I think he's learnt a lot from that, and I'm starting to see it in his driving now as well. Yeah. You know, I think everyone's been a bit harsh on him with that. Yeah. I think that was a sign of maturity. Yeah. You know, if he had have pulled or blocked the move... Right and crashed. Mm. Everyone would have been going, oh, you yeah, know. it would have been up in arms. Yeah, so yeah, you know, hey, I, I I really think he's come a long way, and mm. um, the Erebus team were very very smart to sign him up. Yeah, yeah, very no, very smart. Certainly were. Uh, the original Shuey, well, I don't know if he was the original Shuey, but he did it before Daniel did. Really? So, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So is so, he gonna is he gonna uh, try and um, you know do something with the intellectual property there that Formula One's registered? Is he, is he going to release a shoe to do the shoe he out of? Couldn't tell you. Don't know. I know. But, um, yeah. But, you know, that puts the IP in contention, doesn't it? I mean, you know, Daniel's from Australia, yeah. and he probably saw it and went, that's a good idea. 
Well, yeah. I, I'll pull that on the international stage. <laughs> I think it was the Queen, Queen, the Gold Coast race, perhaps. I'd have to look into it, but I know Davy Reynolds did it long before. The, um, the, did so it. this was a support race for Indy or the Gold Coast? Just no, it was their car, own Gold their Coast, own, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no one watched it. No, no, no. no, no so it probably no, wasn't. I watched it. <laughs> Speaking of V8 supercars, a sort of unrelated, ZB Commodore, not selling well. Do you well. wonder why? Not selling well at all. I've actually test driven for different reasons, not not on this podcast. But you don't think it's the price? <laughs> it's a it's a lot of money for a smaller car. That's all I'll say. If you were going to buy a car like that, particularly the all wheel drive version, mm. wouldn't you buy the Stinger instead? It's a better looking car. Yeah. It's fast. Mm. I, I saw one at the Motorplex running in the twelves. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, yeah, mm. just a way, I think it's even cheaper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, the, I, I don't want to disclose too much here. As I said, I test drove it for different reasons that are related to don't want to disclose what you sign a no, 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 confidentiality. I mean, no, 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 of course not. But I felt that the, the, the four-cylinder turbo version was was okay. But for, for what I was test driving it for, I guess it would suit its purpose. Um, the V6 all-wheel drive one was a, a better car, still for 45000 I'm not sold yet, but anyway. So, how much is the four-cylinder turbo? It's not much less. It's coming yeah, in at that's, forty-two. That's what I mean. See, they need to make these cars around thirty-six, thirty-seven. The base model's thirty-six, thirty-seven. But if you go RS, if you step up to an RS, which is the uh, bigger rims and R- rally sport the, or uh, <laughs> whatever, holding the car. I didn't know. I didn't days. know they were racing yeah. those in the world rally. <laughs> <laughs> that um that that attracts a premium price unfortunately but look i uh, the, the car's nice but uh, it's not i think it's overpriced and and look i mean i'm not talking out of school when i say that i don't think i'm talking out of school the sales holding brings, brings you back to the vb commodore days doesn't it i'll, I'll give you some numbers here <laughs> holding this the the first quarter of the year sold 77 units an average of 77 units per dealership 77. Wow, that's still more than I would have thought. <laughs> this is not now Commodore. This is overall their range. Oh, Rodeo. All yeah, holding yeah. cars. All holding cars, They yeah. averaged out through their dealer network in the first quarter of the year, 77 vehicles. Toyota, 255. Wow. So, I'm not saying anything. But, but you the know, the, speak the thing themselves. is, the, the like, obviously businesses, you know, buy a lot of cars. The government buys a phenomenal amount of cars, mm. a ridiculous amount of cars, right? Um, I don't know about now, but it used to be they'd rack up about 40,000 Ks and then flick yeah, them, that's right? that's correct, yeah. Um, so the government never really got behind the auto industry in the last 10 years, in no, my no, opinion. No, definitely you know, not. No. We, we used to see a few Commodores uh, purchased by the police, mm. Um, but you know the 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 one that really just pissed me off was when I saw that the um, the federal government replaced all the statesmen's with yeah. BMWs. Yeah, I thought you got to be joking, mm. you know. Yeah. So yeah, a bit sad. It bit is sad, yeah. and and you know what else is sad? So now we've got no local industry, no local automotive industry, but we've still got a luxury car tax, mm. and we've still got limitations on which cars can be imported, um, and they try and hide behind the oh no you know it's it's about you know safety standards um yeah i don't know about that because some of the cars that you are allowing into the country aren't very safe mm, yep, um, yep and arguably don't meet emissions <laughs> unfortunately the mustang would arguably almost fall into that not emissions but safety safety one two, of the worst yeah, on the road star. yeah the probability of actually being killed in the mustang sitting in the back is quite high believe it or not in a high speed impact yeah back yeah. yeah 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 but the probability of a mustang traveling at high speed is quite low <laughs> particularly if you bought the turbo full cylinder version this is coming from ford people <laughs> yeah i know i know hot rod and street machine spectacular was on this weekend went down there to the claremont showgrounds um great great event now, now there, there was there was a really good Mustang there. Yeah, there was. That was awesome. That Mustang actually won the top exhibition award. That was Greg Dale's um, Mustang Funny Car. Yep, awesome car. Now that's a nostalgia photos. nitro car. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Look forward to seeing it run. Yeah, yeah. No, beautiful car. Well presented. I 
I didn't know that car was actually in Western Australia. This is the thing with these shows is you go there and you realize how many of these cars are actually, most of these cars are local, and that car was from WA. So I'm really looking forward to see that car. Yep. It's actually too too nice to race, believe it or not. But anyway. Uh, it was after it's raced. <laughs> it's a beautiful car. Well, well presented. Uh, top debut was uh, a guy I know, actually, great guy, Paul Castagna. Not Castagna. Castagna. <laughs> Castagna, like the nut. That's right. So his 1932 Ford Coupe was debuted there. Beautiful car. Got some photos. I'll be putting them on our Facebook page. You can see all these cars there. Um, top street machine was friend of the podcast for Post 71, friend of the podcast, Jamie Paolucci, Race Wars event director. He's also got a really cool 1975 Mercedes. Beautiful car, though. Yeah. Great yeah. car. Uh, top street machine overall, Stuart Vernon's, his 1969 Camaro. Uh, Maguire's superstars street machine, Matt Nile, his 1966 Galaxy, amazing car. Yeah. Got to see it. From out of the uh, Chronic Customs garage. Yeah, yeah. Amazing yeah. car. You really got to see that car up close and personal. I was probably spent 20 minutes looking at that car. And also, there was the Batman car, a replica of the Batman, the original Batman car. Now, isn't it amazing? That car has been on TV all over Australia, the Batman car. Mm. Yet Kelly Betts, nothing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, I don't want to take anything away from the Batman car, but the Batman car as a car, as a TV car, does nothing for me. I'm not a big fan of the car but get up close and personal with this car and you just have an appreciation for the, the detail fab work yeah that's yeah, yeah. this thing was amazing yeah yeah and I, the I, gentleman that built it really friendly fellow spent oh look i'm not, I'm not trying time. to take anything away from it i just yeah. think that it's it's ironic that you know particularly like i said earlier that you know that the media is like triple j just drowns me every day and mm. all this gender equality and how you know we need more ceos that are female and you know we need to pump the the um women's afl and etc etc the women's rugby and the women's cricket you know um but you get someone like kelly who's an amazing person and has been through this incredible journey you know starting from junior dragsters working your way up to top fuel i mean that's incredible and to drive one of those vehicles something that's got 10,000 horsepower mm. accelerates to over 500 kilometers an hour in under four seconds mm. pulls more g-force than a fighter plane yeah and you know crickets yeah I know. you know yeah. so all right we'll have to um this podcast comes to an end simon thanks for coming in i want to mention as well to you question without notice but we've got a blog you probably don't even know but we've got a blog on our website and i write on there every week so you're open. You can put something on the blog as well if you want. Some thoughts. Because, you know, I've got heaps of time up my sleeve, <laughs> know, Nick, you know. I, know. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag just yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, we may have picked up a new sponsor. Yep. A clothing, clothing company. All right. Okay. Right. I'm not... I'm not I'm work not in progress. Work in progress. We're yep. working on it. Um, so... You know, uh, we'll see. We'll see how this pans out. It okay. might be. Um, it might be big. Hmm. Yeah, I, you kind of mentioned it before, so no, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Fingers some, crossed. We've got some things in the pipeline, people. Not just the blog. So, <laughs> if you want, yeah, get on our website. We've got a blog there. I write once a week. I try to anyway regarding all sorts of things. I think Formula One TV rights was one of them, and the V8 supercars. And anyway, my thoughts are there. Our sponsors, all fast talk converters. That's you sitting right there. <laughs> Shift Kits Australia, Jamie. Go and check Jamie out. I spoke with Jamie the other day. He's doing some really uh, great things with GPS uh, tracking on not just show cars now, tractors, UTVs, RTVs, Bobcats, skid steers. Yeah, listen, he is has been in the forefront of GPS mm. uh, technology for many, many, many years. Yep. And not a lot of people would know this, but before it was common uh, for GPS-driven mm. uh, speedos, yep. he'd already built God knows how many and mm. had them operating in his own cars and his brother's car. Yep. Um, what I mean, he does some amazing work. And I don't know if you've been lucky enough to... Um, to see some of the builds but i like to just pop by there just to check it out it's unbelievable some of the stuff that he does yeah and and the other thing is um uh 
CAM bus and stuff like that, you know, integration, uh, getting late model running gear to work outside of the car mm. without all the, you know, like body control modules and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's more than just what he does is, is more than just wiring. It's mm. amazing, really. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, check check uh, Jamie out at shiftkits.com.au. WA Suspensions, Stu. Uh, benzene Detailing um, and Monster Talk. I saw their sticker on the back of Clint's Capri at the Hot Rod Show. Monster Talk. Yeah. I'll be tuning that car. Uh, Performance Turbos, Taps Race Pipes, CRD Nitrous. And also to the guys at Street Machine and Hot Rod Spectacular, they uh, distributed a whole lot of flyers for us as well. And also a big thank you to Kelly Betts for coming Massive on the show. thanks to Kelly Betts uh, and the entire Lamartina family and for their future endeavours. Yeah, good luck to them this coming season. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, like the, the season doesn't seem to stop now. Mm. We've just had the winters yeah. and we're about to roll into Darwin. The 13th of July, up in Darwin. Can't wait for it. All right, Simon, thanks for coming in. Thanks Good for having us, Nick. No worries. Take care. See you on the street. See ya. Talking power, stresses, all characters and events on this podcast, even those based on real people, are entirely fictional. All celebrity voices are impersonated poorly. We do not encourage street racing or the use of turbochargers.